Greetings, denizens of Dark Roads. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shadows and Pinstripes. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Film Noir Foundation's most proud restoration, Too Late for Tears. So one of the best, uh, I don't want to say best because they're all good, but these uh, Film Noir Foundation restorations, um, I like to try to pick them up. They're a little pricey. Um, you can pick them up from the, uh, from the Film Noir Foundation website. I recommend you do it. Um, I, I spoke about them, uh, a few of them, briefly on a previous episode. But uh, today, I want to focus on, for this episode, one of their... Um, I guess most proud restorations, and the film is too late for tears. And um, and if you've watched the film when they when they premiered it on Turner Classic Movies, the uh, Eddie Muller talked in depth about how when he created his uh, the film Noir Foundation, the top film on their list was Too Late for Tears. It was it was um, believed to be lost forever. And they, this was the one that they worked really hard to get, and eventually they were able to do it. So they, so they did get the uh, the restoration of Too Late for Tears. Um, I purchased it. Well, actually, it was it was bought for me anyway for uh, for Christmas um, or a birthday. I don't remember. My wife is great at doing that kind of thing um, from the Film Noir Foundation. Now it's. It's it's one of the ones that's a flicker alley. Now the other day, uh, not the other day, a uh, uh, previous episode when I was talking about the difference between the packaging with regard to some of their restorations, I said there was uh, one film that was done through Olive Films, and it's completely bare bones. It's just a I don't I can't think off the top of my head which movie it was, but it was a great movie. Uh, but it but it was just there's nothing to it. There's not a single extra whatsoever. It's just like having a VH t- VHS tape, um, and I, you know, Olive Films. Is, what I've rec- what I've seen with, of Olive Films, that's that's pretty much their forte. That's what they do. They just get you the movie, and that's it. And I don't like that because I like to dive into these films, as you as you know, if you listen to this show. And so the other restorations, uh, as far as I can tell, that's the only one they did through Olive Films, and and I. I don't know. At some point, I'll go and look and see what movie that was. But uh, Too Late for Tears was done through Flickr Alley. Um, on a previous episode, I was trying to figure out what company they used, and I think I said Arrow Films, and that's not true. It is uh, it is Flickr Alley. At the time, I said, I don't know. I think Arrow. I'm not sure. And then I never went and checked. But I'm looking at the at the box right now, and yes, it is Flickr Alley. So the Flickr Alley Films, um, these are restored with funding by the Film Noir Foundation and uh, using the UCLA Film and uh, Television Archive. You know, they they use the that that's what they use for the restoration process, and these are well worth it. All of the ones that I have seen are well worth it. They come with commentaries, they come with bonus materials, and they come with um, with booklets that, you know, lots of good reading material inside it. So Too Late for Tears, um, it says the, the list on the back of uh, bonus materials includes audio commentary track by writer, historian, and film programmer Alan K. Roday. I believe his name is Roday. I listened to the commentary, and I think he pronounced it that way. It's R-O-D-E anyway. 
And his commentary is actually really good. He, he speaks the whole time. He's got a whole lot of background information on the film. He's got some commentary about the film itself. It's just, it, it really is an enriching experience. If you've already seen the film once and then you watch it again, you know, you can watch it with his commentary. Another bonus material listed is Chance of a Lifetime, The Making of Too Late for Tears, produced by Stephen Smith and the Film Noir Foundation and featuring Eddie Muller, Kim Morgan, and Julie Kirgo. This mini-doc offers a behind-the-scenes examination of the film's original production. I watched that one. And uh, and then it says Tiger Hunt, Restoring Too Late for Tears. Now, The Chance of a Lifetime, that one was uh, like a 20-minute video. The Tiger Hunt, Restoring Too Late for Tears is like four or five minutes. And basically it just... Uh, it says, produced by Stephen Smith and the Film Noir Foundation, this is a chronicle of the multi-year mission to rescue this lost noir classic. And it gives a little bit of details as well on uh, the strange hunt that they had while they were trying to uh, track down the original and get a restoration for this thing. So what about the movie? Is it any good? Yes, it is. This is a sensational movie. Um, maybe my favorite film that I have reviewed this year for this season. I, I don't know. I hate to say that. <laughs> but uh, I just rewatched it recently uh, with the commentary, and I've and I just kind of been reading about it and all that stuff, and oh my gosh, what a great movie. They went through a ton of stuff to try to get it re remastered. Um, they, they used... Um, in fact, you can go to TCM.com, and I think you can find the video that Eddie Muller made. Uh, it's basically just the video of his... Uh, when they aired the movie, when they premiered it on Noir Alley. And he talks about the, the way that they used three or four different films. One came from France, and there, was a, um, there were problems getting certain scenes remastered and just the great lengths that they went to to try to get this thing back, um, to, you know, get us a good copy of this thing. Um, well worth it. My gosh, I don't know how much they, they pay, uh, how much I, I paid for this or how much uh, the wife paid when she bought it for me, probably 30 bucks or so. I don't know. They, they're, they're not cheap. I, I know that. Um, but so worth it. Um, so not from 1949 and, um, you know, the, the back of the, the back of the Blu-ray says, finally, one of the great missing films of the classic noir era resurrected, rescued and preserved after a five-year crusade by the Film Noir Foundation. This 1949 classic is at long last available in a clean digital version, transferred from a 35-millimeter print, painstakingly restored by UCLA Film and Television Archive. So, the movie stars Elizabeth Scott and Dan Durier. And Dan Durier is, to me, synonymous with film noir. And... Um, I love I love Dan Durier. I love Elizabeth Scott too. Um, the movie starts out with Elizabeth Scott and her husband. Uh, her name is Jane Palmer. Her husband Alan, and they're just driving at night. They're sort of arguing, and uh, it's dark. It's even darker because it's because it's noir and it's black and white, and it's just it's just like pitch black in certain places. And uh, they're going someplace, and she doesn't want to go. And this is very telling because she's, she's speaking about how she doesn't want to be spoken down to. So they're going somewhere where they're going to be the odd people out, or she feels that way anyway. Um, needless to say, they don't make it to this party, to this get-together where she's, where she's worried about going. She's telling him, don't go. You know, let's turn around. Let's go. Let's not do this. Which, you know, uh, he's, that's, that's a tall order to ask somebody to turn around when you're already when you're already almost there, right? And so while he won't listen, and so she reaches over and uh, tries to turn the car off, and he, he pulls over, 
And uh, right at that moment, while they've slowed down or sort of stopped, a car drives by, and they're in a convertible, and throws a bag with $60,000 into the back of their convertible. Now, uh, this is a classic noir setup. Um, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, um, and I didn't plan to talk about this, but um, A Simple Plan, which is a Sam Raimi film, and I think uh, Billy Bob Thornton's in it with Bill Paxton, and they sort of come across a similar situation where they find a bunch of money. And this is the thing. Money changes people. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Um, I mean, any of these films where you've got ordinary working-class people and, uh, and money is thrown into it, particularly free money and the idea of people all wanting their slice of that pie. Um, <laughs> that is just great, great stuff. That is great, uh, great TV, great movie watching. Uh, I love A Simple Plan. Um, I love The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and I love this movie right here. So Jane Palmer, is, she goes from <laughs> uh, cute housewife, to <laughs> black-hearted, <laughs> that's what they say on the back of it, it's uh, <laughs> black-hearted, oh no, though. okay, it says a black-hearted homage to James M. Cain and Raymond Chandler, but yes, she's the one who just, oh my goodness, what a femme fatale, I mean, uh, I love Dan Durier, I, you know, he's, every everything he does, I, I just want to see it, he plays the weasel so perfectly, <laughs> he's just such a great weasel, you know, but my goodness, um, she's even worse, <laughs> Elizabeth Scott's character in this movie is worse than, worse than uh, Dan Durier, so he's not the husband, he just, uh, he shows up looking for the money, and uh, you know, he shows up at the door looking like a, you know, a, a, a a weaselly, untrustworthy scumbag, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and it's the funny thing is she lets him in the house. And so, the, okay, so this is what happens. They take the money. The husband, of course, says, well, let's, let's turn this, let's turn this into the police. Um, he can't focus, you know, he's just all that money that's been laid in his lap and he's just, he can't focus. He says, well, well we got to turn this in. She says, well, no, 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 don't turn it in. This is our money. We got to keep it. So uh, eventually they agree that They'll hold on to it for for one week and then turn it in. And his 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 mind the whole time is made up. Okay, we'll keep it for a week, but we're going to turn it in. And uh, her mind the whole time is we're going to keep this money. And so <laughs> um, within that first week, she already starts spending the money. And uh, her husband comes in and goes, "What? What? You know what? I thought we were going to get rid of this thing." And there's a scene where he's talking to her about um, about getting rid of the money. And he says, hey, how about we just go out on a date tomorrow night? And it's a sweet scene. And she smiles so sweetly to him, you know. And, and she goes, oh, that'll be great. I don't know what she says, you know. But they hug. And as soon as her chin goes over his shoulder, you can see the look in her eyes. Like, that is not going to be great. I only want this money. <laughs> so, uh, so Dan Derrier shows up to the house. And he knows. He's, he knows they've got the money. And he wants the money. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a battle between her and Dan Durier the entire time. The husband really doesn't play much of a part, um, because, well, this isn't really a spoiler. Uh, this, this takes place fairly early on in the film. She kills him. He's not willing to keep the money, and so she kills him. She shoots him while they're out on a boat and, uh, drops his body in the water. And from that point on, uh, the rest of the movie begins to unfold like an onion and, uh, just peel back the layers of her greed and of her 
are evil <laughs> and um the the battle between of the battle of wits between um between her character and Dan Duryea's character and uh it is a thing of beauty to behold i am really happy that this um that this movie was restored by the film noir foundation um i mean they they don't they're not choosing garbage you know they're not just for the sake of of finding uh, lost films restoring things that no one cares about i mean these these movies that they're these movies that they're uh, restoring are, are are well worth it um you know she uh she you know she's got this just look you know of course um eddie muller points out that she's she's the first or i don't know the first but but the rare housewife film uh femme fatale and uh and and that's true and she she is the, the house you know she is a housewife and uh but she's going to get hers there you know there's nothing that's going to stop her from getting what's hers and um and so she she quickly uh, reveals what you know what what it is that she's in fact i uh I, her her character is very similar in a way although the films are not similar at all um i recently in a recent episode talked about uh, humphrey bogart's character dixon steel in in a lonely place well this her character is m- is very similar in the way that it unfolds throughout the film. So in, in a lonely place, you know, uh, he's, he starts out as a, uh, you know, you start out experiencing him as a, as a sort of character that you're, you're on his side and, you know, you're hoping, you're hoping for the best for him. And the more you get to know him, the more you realize he's, he's unhinged. And, uh, that, 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 that's what happens in this film as well. You know, she's, uh, she's reasonable to a, to a, to a degree at first, but, the more time passes, the more nothing else matters other than the money. So she does this sort of verbal sparring with Dan Durier for a while, and uh, eventually um, it's not any surprise that she's going to try to make off with this money on her own. She doesn't want to share. She's killed her husband for it, and um, she keeps, uh, she keeps, she's sort of running up against it from other people. Uh, her, her husband's uh, sister um, comes in and... Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, she's asking questions and she doesn't believe the stories that she's being told. And there's another guy who shows up named Don. And, uh, he's, he says, you know, he, he was an old army buddy and that may or may not be true, but he's asking a bunch of questions. And so, um, and, and so they, um, she sort of at some point has to make, make a run for it. And, uh, so she takes off and, you know, she's, she's, she's trying to leave the country, um, and find, uh, you know, find a, uh, you know, she goes to Mexico, right? You always have to go to Mexico, you know? And so uh, what's interesting, by the way, is that uh, instead of Elizabeth Scott and Dan Durier as the two leads, originally uh, it was supposed to be, um, it was supposed to be Kirk Douglas playing the, the Dan Durier character. And I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, Joan Crawford was going to play uh, was going to play her her role, um, and that didn't work out. I don't know why that didn't work out. They mentioned it in, in the special features, and I, I don't know what what the deal was. Maybe to save money, but they brought in Elizabeth Scott and Dan Duryea. I'm glad. I'm really glad. As good as Joan Crawford and uh, um, and Kirk Douglas would have been, um, I mean, you know, for a movie that's that at the time was low budget. Well, according to our our standards, would be low budget as well. Um, I mean, it just, it just fits with these two. It fits with them. And, uh, I mean, I just, Duryea is, is un, he's not, he's, you can't replace him in the, in that type of role. And I just can't imagine anybody else playing, uh, the Elizabeth Scott character, uh, the, the character that she played just really, really good. Uh, so the, 
the book was written, the screenplay was written by Roy Huggins, and he um, he was a uh, he was a uh, an author of novels, and uh, he he claimed that he just copied Raymond Chandler, and it's interesting because he uh, his first novel he he wrote trying to uh, imitate and or he said copy Raymond Chandler, and he was uh, worried that that Raymond Chandler was going to um, was going to not be happy about it, <laughs> right? Wasn't going to like being copied. But, uh, but yeah, he said that, uh, that Raymond Chandler actually uh, looked him up and, uh, and, um, and congratulated him. You know, uh, his first book was called The, the Double Take. And so, um, so, yeah, he said, that he, uh, he said that Chandler called him up and said, hey, you, f- you figured out something that a lot of authors don't, which is to find somebody, you know, that you, that you like and, uh, and imitate them. So he was flattered rather than, uh, rather than feeling that he had been ripped off or anything like that. So, uh, so anyway, he, he actually wrote, the no- wrote this novel, Too Late for Tears, and then switched it up, changed it up for the screenplay, you know, cleaned it up to, to get it past the... Uh, the Hollywood censors and all that stuff, but uh, but it works out. the the uh, the darkness of the film, the uh, the grand finale. Um, it's just too much to too much to even really try to to explain. You just need to watch the movie. Support the Film Noir Foundation um, if you can. You know, order order the Blu-ray. It's worth it. It actually comes with a Blu-ray and a and a DVD. And it's one of those Flickr Alley ones. And and I'm 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 very impressed with it. First off, the case is super thick. Feels like a um, like a like you could run over it with a car and it wouldn't even break. It's just very durable and thick. Um, so they, they don't go cheap with these things. They're, they're very good. And, um, and just the booklet is so good inside. You know, the commentary tra- track with Alan Roday was really good. And this is just a great movie. I mean, you take, um, you, you take a couple of people or you take a group of people who are, are struggling and otherwise, you know, trying to get by and you throw money into the situation and see how they change. And <laughs> that's pretty much all you have to do for just a, a fantastic film noir. I mean, it's just, if you did that in real life, just watching how people scramble. I mean, us, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be as fun watching it in real life. But this is a great movie. I love that. I just love that story. And I can't, I can't see it too much. You know, just watching people scramble um, and, and unravel when money is put on the table. And uh, that's, that's why the treasure of the Sierra Madre is so is so um, is so interesting to me. I've always always loved that film, um, and uh, and this one. Oh my gosh, what a good movie! I'm so glad they restored this movie. I'm so glad um, the they, they they that they went through the um, the process of getting it remastered and cleaned up, and it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, I was able to support the Film Noir Foundation, and I'm happy that they used Flickr Alley for this, because the, uh, the extras, I mean, this thing rivals a Criterion Blu-ray, to be honest. It's, uh, it's that good. It's got enough, um, it's got enough extras and inserts to keep you busy for a while as you, uh, as you, um, um, watch this great film. So, uh, there's a featurette in there also that talked, uh, where, where they had Dan Derrier's, um, son, and uh, he talked about how they they never got to saw this and they never got to see this film growing up because it was um, well I don't know they couldn't watch it I guess when they were younger and then when they were older it was gone it was disappeared and so he uh, he tells a story about how he he watched it and it's funny that he he mentions that Dan Duryea was not like that you know he's always slapping people and that and that's the thing on the on the promotional uh, material for this movie. Um, they, they even have posters where he's slapping her because, you know, he's known as a, he, that, that's kind of like his trademark, right? He slaps people, slaps women and stuff and uh, just, just always plays a sleazeball. And so he, <laughs> you know, he just talked about how, and this is not 
unusual, but he talks about how he just wasn't that way in real life. You know, he was gentle and, uh, and kind and didn't raise his voice or anything like that. And so he, he ended up playing that role a lot. And, uh, and it was just a strange, you know, comparison for the, for somebody who, who was never that way in real life. And, um, and so he, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he, he said he showed the film to his, his daughter and she was able to see who her grandfather was apparently something like that. It was, it was, it was really nice. I like how they do that. These, um, these, these extras they put in where they talk to some of the family members and things like that. Um, Eddie Muller said that when they finally got this film restored, they wanted Elizabeth Scott to come to the premiere and she skipped it because she didn't like it. She hated playing the, the, uh, the bad guy, the villain. So, uh, she was, she, I don't know if she was ashamed of it. She just didn't like it. So apparently the same, uh, goes for her that she just, you know, she's just not that way, just not that way at all. But they both sell it. She sells it so well. I mean, she, even when Dan Derrier's character comes to the door and she just invites him in and she hasn't even killed her husband yet. <laughs> and she says, uh, I invited you in because housewives get very lonely. You know, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, just uh, the real her it really shows through from the very, you know, and, and if and, and you watch it the first time, then you go back and watch again and you hear her talk about, you know, even in that car ride, I'm not going to be looked down upon by these, by these, you know, rich, rich folk or these socialites. I don't know how she describes them, but she doesn't want to go because she's going to be talked down to and looked down upon. I mean, she is that character from the beginning. It's just that she's helpless until the money comes in and that changes everything. And that's where she, she goes nuts. And there just very well may be a history of violence there as well. Um, you'll have to watch the film to find out. Um, some, some things in her past may be revealed um, that, uh, that, um, aren't, uh, noticeable or aren't known at the, at the very beginning. So, all right, I will stop rambling on. I thank you all for listening. I appreciate, um, appreciate you guys listening. I've tried to make a few changes for season two. One thing is I've, you know, I've, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm not going to put titles for these for each episode, but I feel like it was kind of hard for some people looking through the episodes to, to figure out what movie I was, I was reviewing. So, uh, I think maybe, uh, I've gone back and I've changed them all to where, even though I have the title, I put in parentheses, the title of the movie that I'm reviewing, but I think going forward, maybe I'll just stop with the titles and, uh, and I'll just put the name of the movie. That'll be the title of, of the episode, you know, make it a little simpler and, uh, and let you know what you're in for. So thank you very much for listening. Um, if you, if you're not supporting the Film Noir Foundation, I hope you will. Um, by the way, Eddie Muller's, uh, book came out recently. Um, it's, it's an updated version of his, uh, original book on Film Noir. It's called Dark City. I think it's called Dark City. And, uh, I've got the book in the other room and it's very, very good. It's one of the TCM, um, TCM books. So, so you know, the photography is going to be very, very good. You know, it's going to be, um, you know, it's just, it's just going to look really beautiful. And um, he's got it broken up by chapters and uh, just a sensational book. I mean, everything Eddie Muller writes is, is just informative. And, um, and so I recommend that for sure if you haven't, uh, haven't checked it out already. And, um, yeah, if you haven't supported the Film Noir Foundation, you can donate $20. And what you'll get for that is uh, you'll get four issues of the uh, Noir City uh, magazine comes out every quarter so you get a year of that um and you don't you know if you don't want to do that you can also get online now and you can order the from amazon the uh, the hard copy of starting with issue number 31 the uh, film noir um or the noir city magazine and you can also buy get back issues off of their website i think they're six dollars each and you can get the digital version all very good reads all um all informative and, and when you read them they, they don't have so many 
they'll have so many movies that you're you're, you're going to want to watch. You know, every time they every time they focus in on a certain segment, you know, um, it's it just makes me want to go and watch a bunch of movies. So, uh, again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, check out some good film noir in the uh, interim, and uh, when you watch the movie, please please do yourself a favor and turn your phone off.